Welcome everyone to episode 115 of the RF Generation Collector Cast. Uh, just got uh, Chris and myself here this week. Uh, Bill is hitting some concerts, I think, tonight, which he'll probably have to listen when he gets back. So how you doing, Chris? Well, for all of our listeners, it's, it's been dead silent here, and then as soon as we start recording, the cat starts meowing. <laughs> Literally, like we we do a 10-second pause so I can have some time to filter out background noise, and the cat waited through the silence, <laughs> and then as soon as I started talking, it started meowing. It's like, I, I can't make this stuff up. I mean, literally, as soon as Kelsey started talking, the cat starts meowing. <laughs> like, you gotta be kidding me. That's all right. I think all of our listeners know my cats so far. Um, but um, it's been um, an interesting time here lately. I don't want to get into all of it, but um, it's been a little rocky on the on the the home front. But things hopefully will be settling down soon and uh, good calming. Good. I hope for a little while. But um, other than that, um, nothing too terribly exciting. How about you? Yeah, about the same. Just uh, everyone's been a little sick at my house for the last week. I'm still fighting that off, so I'll do my best not to cough and sniffle into the mic too much tonight. Uh, that's what people come here and pay for. They want to. They want to hear all the gross sounds. They want realism. <laughs> they don't want that edited nonsense like all those other podcasts. You're gonna feel like you're in the room with us, folks. <laughs> I mean, just everything that's going on is whatever's going on, real life. Yeah. So you've been playing or watching anything recently? Um, mostly watching some things, um, because I honestly have not really had very much time to play anything, but I will talk a little bit about that too, what I have. Um, as far as watching goes, um, I would say nothing ridiculously important, um, but I did, I, I saw that Creed 3 came out, and so HBO Max mm-hmm. had the first two creed movies i I never watched them i've watched all the the rocky movies did Um, you even watch rocky balboa yes i've seen that one um but like the creed movies are where i missed off and not really on purpose it's just i don't know they just kind of slipped the radar so um they were on hbo max and i watched those um i'm not going to go to the theater to watch creed 3 but i'll catch it when it comes on and um and man, yeah, it's just it's uh it's the Rocky formula. <laughs> it just keeps going. So, I mean, it's kind of those things. You know what you're getting, which I'm fine with, honestly. I when I watch that kind of movie, I know exactly what I'm in for, and it does a good job of delivering exactly that. So, um, it's just Rocky's too old to box anymore. So now they've got somebody else, and I like Michael <laughs> B. Jordan. So you know, yeah, he's he, great. He does a good job. Um, like his singing girlfriend is kind of weird. <laughs> I don't know why that keeps coming in, but okay. Um, but I don't, I don't know her name offhand, but she played a big role in the last season of, um, Westworld. So that's where I recognized her from. Okay. Um, she was a, a villain and I mean, technically the last couple seasons, but mainly the last season. So uh, I was like, oh, yeah, hey, it's her. But this time she's not horribly evil. Uh, and she can sing, apparently. I didn't know that either. She didn't sing in the show. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. Have you seen the Creed films? No, they're on my to-watch list, too. Same as you. I have I've saw all the Rockies. And I every time one comes out, one of the Creeds, I'm like, oh, yeah, I should watch those. And then it's not on anything I have for streaming. 
So I just haven't got around to it yet. Um, I would say I won't ruin anything for you, but honestly, you know what these movies are. <laughs> if you've ever watched a rock, you already know what you're in for. Uh, after the setup at the beginning of the movie, you could write the script yourself. Um, but that's okay. Like I said, it's okay. You know, is, young- it, is it like Rocky in that each Creed movie, the villain gets a little more ridiculous? Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Excellent. Yeah, especially the second one. You're kind of like, really? I mean, I guess I could say... Because it's on the movie poster, so that's not spoiling anything, right? Do you want me to say anything at all? Sure, yeah, I don't think I'm too worried about Creed spoilers. Okay, I I can't really... I mean, like I said, it's literally on the poster. Like, if you were to go to Netflix or wherever, you would see it on the screen. But it's... Ivan Drago is back, and now he has his... What? Now he has his son. And so his son is going to go up against Creed. Well, I'm glad I was going to make a joke about Creed 4 being... Uh, Rocky for but I guess they've already done that. I'm glad it's, I didn't it's, it's already done. Um, Creed one is r- r- the first Rocky film, basically, and uh, Creed two is like, let's bring back the uber villain um, <laughs> from the Rocky movies. So I don't know. Maybe we, you know, maybe next film I haven't watched the new one. Maybe. Uh, Hulk Hogan's back as Thunderlips, or Mr. T is back <laughs> as, as Clubber Lang. I don't know. Um, I, I guess the idea is to have something for the folks that have been watching the movie and are old like me, and also have something for new folks that don't know. Um, I don't know. Uh, either way, it's it's fun. It's guys, you're watching guys beat the tar out of each other in a way that no boxing match would ever happen ever. So it's okay. Uh, you have to get, you have to laugh a little bit when it's like, Oh, they're in like round 10 and they're just like trading blows constantly. Like there's no way human beings could do this, but okay. You know, or like, man, they're, they're getting knocked down like umpteen times in a round. <laughs> but they're going to get back up. Uh, it's okay. Gotta. It's fun. You'll know what you're in for and you'll enjoy it. So um, I probably don't have to tell you how the, both those movies turn out. But you'll enjoy them. Oh, Creed loses every time? Dang. Every time. Every time. Uh, Creed well, just like Well, I mean, like Rocky loses in the first one, right? He just He's just happy he survived. That's right. It was his rise to, rise to fame. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'd be curious if you watch them at some point in time. We can trade notes on that. But I don't know. I'll, I'll watch the third one at some point. It's entertainment. Um, other than that, I have been watching a lot of Australian Survivor. Uh, I know probably very few listeners actually care about this, but man, it's really, really good. Every like- time my wife brings up Survivor, I'm like, Chris says you got to watch Australian one. And she hasn't done it yet. Oh but I, I reminded her a few times, so eventually she'll get to it. It's the Honestly, it's it's the best I've seen. They, I don't know why the U.S. can't put, produce a show that's as good. Um, but man, the Australian version is, is better. And the U.S. one started up, had a couple episodes, so I've watched those two. And the Australian one's getting towards the end. Um, so maybe like a couple more weeks and they'll be wrapping that one up, but man, um, it's just really, they very interesting people they bring on to it. You know how like, um, 
Well, you probably don't. Know. You probably never watch these things. So <laughs> I, I, I have never seen a full episode of Survivor. Okay, I, I can't. I won't say anything. It, nothing would make sense. But yeah, it's very interesting to see the personalities that they they bring on board. Um, sometimes the U.S. Survivor people feel just like a little generic. You know what I mean? Which I mean, they're real, just normal people. I guess it makes sense. But somehow, like Australia, they pull these people out. They're like, man, these people are something else. um they play hard but um anyway yeah no really good really enjoying that and um and then the new season of star trek picard started up and um i think i might have mentioned like the first episode last time yeah talked about that real briefly yeah but it's 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 also it's really good just knock knocking it out of the park it's a really good show um it's star trek next generation stuff yeah i heard a couple of people say it's like the the un- follow-up to next generation and deep space nine they're like if you like those two shows it's like a new season of those two shows yeah i think they figured it out they're like okay i mean like i said this it's the last season of a card so they're like just give the fans what they want you know don't don't keep going in weird directions with <laughs> stuff um now, like I said, I don't know. I'll be curious to see if they try to spin something off of this. I think they've got stuff to work with. Uh, I won't spoil anything, but I think there's a new character that's brought in that maybe could go that direction. So, I don't know. We'll see how it goes. I'm enjoying it, though. Good show. Um, on the game playing front, uh, not a lot. Uh, as I mentioned, I've, I've been playing a little bit of Gradius 2 on the PC Engine. Um, CD-ROM-ROM. Um <laughs> Because uh, our sister podcast, the Shoot the Core cast, they're doing that for the month of March. And so I've been uh, giving that some goes. Definitely not an expert at that. Um, I would even say I'm fantastic at shooting games. But I, for some reason, I like playing those. Fun, and Gradius 2 yeah. is really good. And I've just been enjoying playing it. So um, I'm going to switch over and play the Famicom one a little bit. Post a few scores. Again, those guys on there will be blow me out of the water and that's perfectly fine. Um, just going to have some fun and that's, that's kind of all it is. And that's the good thing I think for the people that are on that like discord and, and follow the show is they're like a range of, of skill uh, on these things. So I don't feel like I'm the absolute worst and I'm definitely <laughs> never going to be the best. So I'm fine with that. Um, but everybody's in there just to have fun, you know, kind of share some strategies and, and kind of play some games. So I don't, I'm never going to worry that somebody's like, oh, your, your score sucks or something. <laughs> um, that's not going to happen. They're good people over there. So anyway, that sounds interesting. You guys should check it out, uh, listeners. Mm-hmm. And really, that's, that's probably been about it. How about you? Uh, a little, little bit more than normal this week. Um, being sick, I had some extra time on my hands, so <laughs> got into some stuff. Uh, with the Japan trip, one of the things we want to do is go to the Ghibli Museum. So we thought, like once a week, let's rewatch one of the Ghibli movies because we own most of them. Uh, so we picked a couple with the kids the last few weeks. We we did Ponyo and uh, Cat Returns. And man, my daughter laughed so hard at Cat Returns. I forgot how funny and silly some of that movie is. So we had we had a really good time with both of those. I'm looking forward to digging into a few more of them. 
Um, that's pretty much it for movies, though, for me this week. I've been trying to do two more gaming. Um, so I had some pickups, too, which has been a while. I picked up a copy of Shin Megami Tensei's Strange Journey Redux for the 3DS, which is one of the last few I need to beat, and I didn't own. I owned the DS version, but this is like the enhanced one for the uh, 3DS, so I, I was kind of holding off to play it until I got this version. So I might pick that up in the next few weeks and, and start working my way through it. So you never played the DS one then? <clears throat> no, I've got a copy, but it's sealed. I picked it up like right when it came out. Okay. And uh, at this point, I'm like, I'll just keep it sealed and grab the 3DS version and play it. Makes more sense. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and at the same time, I picked up a copy of Astrobot Rescue Mission for the PSVR, um, which I have because it came as a download code with my PSVR, but I, I wanted the physical one. Okay. Yeah. So you guys have already played it though? Yeah, it's great. It's okay. like you've played the Astrobot game on the PS5. Yeah. It's essentially it's it's not like a love letter to, to PlayStation like that one, but it's the same kind of gameplay showing off what the VR can do. It was like a kind of a tech demo for the PSVR. But a really good tech demo just like the Astrobot game for PS5. Uh, where it does some some cool things that not a lot of the other VR stuff was doing, and just has some fun with it, and it's really goofy and it plays well and it's cute and yeah, it's a good time. Very good. Now, can you play that on PlayStation Five with the old PSVR? Yeah, because right when it came out, uh, they had an offer where you sent them your like serial number. Uh, from the VR and from the PS5, they would send you the adapter you needed for free to plug it in. So I have the adapter, so I can plug in my... I'm sure you can still get them, but you probably have to pay for them at this point. Um, but yeah, I can run my PSVR games on my PS5. Okay, very good. Mm -hmm. Is that where you're playing it? Oh, you already uh, played it, sorry. Yeah, I've already played this one, yep. so okay. I no rush to play again, but I will play it at some point again because it was fun. All right, cool. Uh, my son and I are still working our way through God of War Ragnarok. I'd, if I had to guess, I'd say we're three quarters the way through. Do you get to yell at... Do you, do you call him boy all the time you're playing? No, he's he's a little older. There's I'm not sure exactly the time jump, but it's, it's a couple years at least. So he's like a young man now. So you actually call him Atreus instead of boy most of the time. Like you're, that, you're, sounds, you're, that sounds terrible. But Kratos is trying to be a better father as well so he's not trying to demean his son he's trying to treat him like a human being he struggles with it at times but he he's trying hard it's god of war ragnarok not like leave it to beaver ragnarok right mm, it's a little bit of both this time oh. okay. <laughs> the, the, the leave it to your family unit like includes like brock and sindri this time too <laughs> which is pretty fun dynamic oh. okay i don't know maybe i like old kratos better i just hate you it. hated everybody <laughs> he's he's definitely a bit different in this one not not bad he's good it's just not it's not exactly the same Kratos. so it's gone full dad of war is that what you're saying yeah i guess mm. yeah okay but story-wise absolutely loving it enthralled um gameplay wise it's the same thing as before and i'm just I had enough of that the last time, so I'm really annoyed when I get into combat. Cause I'm like, ah, oh, another one of these. Like, I don't want to fight. I just want to get to the next story beat. 
So I've been trying to make my son play more than me and pass him the controller a lot and just kind of watch, which honestly he's better at it than me at this point too. So he gets through the fights a little quicker and smoother than I have been. I don't know if you're selling me on this, but keep going. Combat wise, like it's literally the same as the first game. Like there's a few minor tweaks, but uh, if you liked it a lot for the combat, you'll like this one a lot too for the combat. Does it do the Metroid thing where like you've lost all your stuff and you have to reget everything again? Kinda, yeah. Okay. It comes along a little quicker though. Well, hopefully, because I mean it's yeah. like not really hidden much anymore. You know what's coming, so <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, my biggest complaint is there's not enough Mimir like the last one. I I loved just sitting in the boat listening to his stories, and he really doesn't have nearly as much to say this time. Well, he didn't like, shut up last time. He's probably out of stories to share. That's, that's sad. That makes me sad. <laughs> Do you just make stuff up now? <laughs> I guess. Uh, and some, what are they going to do after this? I mean, they're going to have to like go to some other land and fight their gods because it's not going to be any left, is there? Well, I don't want to do any story spoilers, especially because I'm not even done yet, so I don't quite know how it ends. But um, yeah, I don't know how they do that at this point. It would be yeah, because I mean, it'll be like jarring. You know what's he gonna do? Like, like oh well, I guess we've killed everybody. Let's go to uh, Egypt. <laughs> hey, let's go. Yeah, there, there's a lot of cool pantheons they could do. Sure. That, I don't even care if it, they try and tie it in story ways like they did with the last one. Uh, this re- reboot it. But he's in a new uh, pantheon of gods to deal with. It'll be it'll, fun. It'll be weird because eventually his son will be like older. That's <laughs> gonna be really weird. Well, that's what I mean. Like, it doesn't have to be Atreus and and stuff. Like, you could just do a totally new story. But okay. he's got different gods to deal with. Okay. I'm, I'd be happy with that. Yeah, he tells his son like, "Go on, see you later. I'm just doing this one on my own." Yeah, maybe his son will be the new God of War, and he'll go and do the next game. I have no idea. You're not selling me on that. <laughs> Atreus is pretty good in this game. I think you'll enjoy him. Whatever you he's, say. He's not the 10-year-old from the last game. Like He's like a young man. Now he's like probably 16-ish, is my guess. I feel like you don't know me well enough yet when it comes to games. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> you're, you're saying things that you think are positive and I think are all bad. So keep going. <laughs> All right, we'll move on from Ragnarok. I won't just burn it to the ground for you anymore. Thanks. Um, my buddy that I've been playing Dragon Quest Heroes 2 with, uh, we are really stuck on the last boss. He's he's mopping the floor with us. So the last time I went over there, we didn't even attempt him. We just did like some grinding and some get some new weapons, uh, some side story stuff. We're pretty much done all of that now, though, so we're going to have to try him again tomorrow. I'm not sure how it's going to go. We'll see. Is it um, because it's... I I don't know the gameplay, right? Is it you have to have better strategy, or is it your fingers just need to be better at doing what you need to do? The... the, Because we're pretty good level, because we haven't been... Like, we've been doing a lot of the side quests and stuff as we go. So we've got to figure out a better strategy. Like, he's just killing us. And there's... Uh, like a dozen characters all with different moves and specialties for their weapons and stuff so there is a better strategy we just will have to sit down and figure it out tomorrow i think because um, we're probably leveled up more than we need to be for this fight we're just probably missing something gotcha yeah 
But we were talking about what we're going to play after we're done this one. And I think we're going to jump into Final Fantasy XIII 2. Is that lightning returns? I think so. <laughs> Whatever the second one after 13 is, neither of us have played it, and neither of us knows anybody else that would want to play it with us. So we're like, hey, perfect, we'll, we'll play it together. I'm actually kind of excited about that. All right, very good. I don't think there's any dress spheres in that one, but... Oh, I changed my mind then. <laughs> Sorry. That's all right. Uh, my other buddy that we've been going through the old PlayStation Classics with, uh, we finally finished Metal Gear Solid. Whoa, all right. Now yeah, i got to hear what you thought of Metal Gear Solid then. I hate the gameplay so much. Every part of it annoys me to play. But the the story cutscenes, like the characters, they were all fun. I get I get that part of it. But man, those boss fights, not one of them was enjoyable. Every one of them was a nightmare and like pulling teeth to get through. And stealth games just generally don't do it for me. Like I just don't have fun sneaking around and waiting for things. And I find that very boring. And so you not a fan. PS the PS1 version? Yeah. He had the uh the legacy collection on PS3. Oh, okay. All right. So we played the, the PS1 version through that oh. on his PS3. Alright, very good. And uh could you keep up with what the heck was going on in the story? Like the the major plot points, yeah, but there was a lot of extra stuff in there that I'm sure I was not picking up on because it uh, just sounded like gibberish sometimes. Yeah. I think sometimes it's just plain gibberish. Which, and you haven't played any of the Metal Gear Solid games, right? That, that was my first experience with, with any Metal Gear Solids. Mm, just wait. <laughs> <laughs> if you think it's gibberish now. Well, I mean, I don't know if I'm going to go anymore. Because, like, did the, does the gameplay get significantly different and better? Because I did, really, really didn't like playing through a lot of that. Three adds camouflage as a big mechanic, and a lot of people like that. But if you don't like stealth, you may not like that either. Are the boss fights at least better? Like, oh man, did I really, really hated the boss fights. I can't can't emphasize that enough. Okay, all I can say is that I think most people play Kojima games for the story. (laughs) Sure, I can Um, see that. And that's why I pretty much don't play Kojima games at all anymore. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I played for through like uh, the first. I played through the four Metal Gear Solid games, and after the fourth one, I just went. This is I'm I'm good. <laughs> I'm, this has gone too far. I'm good. I'm pretty good. So I'll be curious if you go back through. Um. Yeah, I mean Metal Gear Solid Two was a big jump from metal gear solid right i mean there is some first person stuff now which does make some of that easier um i don't know though i don't know <laughs> if you if you hated the gameplay of the first one i can't know if i can sell you on the second one yeah might just not be for me maybe, um, maybe i'll just play revengeance and, and be happy with that one maybe just go to youtube and watch like all the cutscenes or something perhaps you'll be fine <laughs> But the more exciting thing is, uh, so we like I said, we've been bouncing back and forth between classic PlayStation games that either one of us have missed out. So I made him play Shadow of the Classes first, then he made me play uh, Metal Gear Solid. He's never played Symphony of the Night, so oh, we wow. we just started Castlevania after we beat Metal Gear. So we're like we've got an hour into that. 
So I'm actually loving going through this again with someone who's never played it. It's really fun. Now, are you guys playing that on PlayStation? Yeah, we're playing it on the PS3 as well. But the, yeah, the PS1 version. Wow, I would think you know it'd be just easier to play one of the modern versions with all the load time stuff. But uh, the only time the loads suck is when we die. <laughs> There's quite a long game over and reload to get back in. So that just encourages us to do better. And it has that really bad game over screen. Yeah, it's not great. One. Yeah. Um, no, beautiful. Yeah, it's a wonderful game though. Really amazing. So that's cool that. Get to see a friend kind of experience that for the first time. Yeah, I'm I'm enjoying just that first little chunk with him uh, going through it because um, I don't think he's played a ton of like either Castlevania or Metroid games. He's played a few of, of each, but uh, so it's not a genre he's like intimately familiar with, which is kind of cool. <laughs> My middle kiddo has been playing Hollow Knight. Oh yeah, uh, since. Hades is kind of wrapped up now to a degree. So, uh, yeah, that sort of thing is all going around our household, which is interesting. I, I, I went through Hollow Knight a few years back. so Yeah, I remember that. You were really into it. Yeah, they keep asking me for tips. And I'm like, that's like two or three years ago. I don't remember <laughs> yeah. any of this stuff anymore. Equip so. different orbs. <laughs> yeah, it's like, I don't know. Get that charm yet? I don't know then. So, cool. so that's cool. Simply the Night. Symphony Night, yeah. Uh, but most excitingly and most time I've put into something this week is Octopath Traveler 2. That's not surprising, but good I, for you. I've, I've been homesick for a few days in a row, so I got to put some serious time into it the last few days. Um, I think I'm between somewhere between 50 and 55 hours in right now. And that in the first game, at that with that amount of time into it, you'd be like deep into the post-game stuff. This time, I'm not even at the character's final chapters yet. Like, it's a lot meatier than the first game. It's way more fleshed out. So, do you have all the characters now, and you're on like the main oh, yeah. thing with everybody now? So, I've yeah, I've got them all. Probably somewhere between ten to fifteen hours. I had every all the eight characters. Um, and in the first game, it was really cookie cutter. It was like. You do the chapter one, and it's like usually a short dungeon followed by a boss with the story stuff sprinkled in. Then you do the next characters, chapter one, blah, 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 do all the ones, then do all the twos. And then uh, they all had four chapters in the first game. So this one, very different, because some of the characters, it's like chapter two, it has three parts to it, all in different cities. And then... Chapter three is just a 30 minute cutscene. There's no combat, there's no dungeon, it's just story. But then chapter four is like full dungeon, big boss at the end. And then chapter five is like just a dungeon. And like, so they really don't have a formula they're sticking to. You never know what you're getting into when you're starting a chapter. Did, did you say 30 minute cutscene? Yeah. And it's all voice acted beautifully. Are you serious? 30 minutes? Yeah. Yeah, like I, I might even be underselling the length. Like, it's, it's there's this game is all about story. It's all about these characters' stories. Okay. So there's there's a lot of stories sometimes. Sounds like it. Yeah. Um, and it's there's some good twists. Like there's there's all eight characters kind of have something that you feel like you know 
what's happening and then they throw some of them are you you can see them coming but other ones uh, they'll have some cool little twists in them that uh, might surprise you but it really feels like like ff6 like where it's all very character focused and they all have their own stories but they do a lot better job than the first one intertwining them um so in the first one like the only time your your characters really interacted was in the taverns but in this one they have just like regular travel banter if you want you can just skip that if you want but you'll see a little icon pop up in the corner it's like hit plus sign if you want to hear the travel banter and then two of the characters will, will talk about specifically what's going on in both of their chapters and like how they kind of fit together, why they're interacting here. And then there's also missions that involve two characters, um, which the first one didn't have. So you need both of those characters in your party when you're in that specific city to activate that mission. And then it's like, hey, you guys have uh, something that... Uh, crosses paths here so you're going to work together to to do this little quest uh for example uh, i started with the thief and i've got the cleric on my team and so when i entered the city the thief's like hey like i've heard rumors that the church is hiding a treasure and you have access to the church like what do i got to do to get in there and so they kind of work together to go like see what's going on with this treasure she's been hearing about um so yeah they have a lot more it feels like a party, whereas the last one just felt like eight people doing their own thing and you just happen to have three of them in combat kind of thing. So is it the same thief from the first game? No, all eight characters are totally different. The map's totally different. Story is totally different. Okay. Um, I don't know. If you're saying you like 30-minute cutscenes, maybe you should keep playing Metal Gear Solid. <laughs> Come on, there was no 30-minute cutscenes in Metal Gear. Oh. They were an hour and a half cutscenes in Metal Gear. Yeah, <laughs> all right. 30 minutes would have been too short for that. Uh, yeah, so if you like that and not playing a game, keep <laughs> on going. <laughs> it's like there's the like auto-scroll mode, so you can just like literally put the controller or the switch down and just watch for a while, which I, I know you're making the face, but... <laughs> I like it because I'm into interested in these characters, um, and I like the the story. So it's been really good. Anytime you say, "I'm playing a game," I can put the controller down, and mm -hmm. that, that's not a game you're playing. <laughs> that, just for that one part, yeah. But then you know you get to the good old JRPG goodness. You're doing this. It's got the same uh, like boost uh, mechanic in the combat as the first one. You've got. Um, the same jobs but they're all they're not the same um abilities as the first one so they've all got different twists on it and then you can find secondary jobs which are they can be the other ones from your party but they can also be unique ones as well they've got one that's the inventor that's a really cool job system where you can't level it up through your job points like everything else. You have to go find this dude who makes inventions. And he's like, hey, I need all these parts. If you bring them to me, I'll make you a new contraption. And then that opens up a new ability for you. So it's like Earthbound. A little bit. Okay. And and those are some really cool abilities that you get with that inventor class. I'm really enjoying that one. Um, there's no like fluff in the game either. Like... Out of that 50, 55 hours in, um, none of it's been like wandering 
doing nothing or grinding. Like it's all been moving the story along. My characters are all between level 40 to 65 right now. Uh, so leveling, leveling up at a good pace. I haven't had to grind. Um, I don't actually know what their final chapters are because I've got some where I thought chapter four was going to be their last chapter. Um, but a few of them have level five, so they might go even beyond five. Um, and I'll see if there's a post game after that, which I'm assuming there is. But I still have lots to do on the main map too. Well, I know it's gotten really good reviews, so I know it's right up your alley. So I'm glad you're mm-hmm. enjoying your time with it. It's really good. Um, it's yeah. I don't think it's gonna sell to anyone who didn't like the first one, though. It's not drastically different. So you bounce off the first one. As good as this one is, I don't think it'll do much for you. Yeah, it's all right. There's some people out there that enjoy it, and that's good for them. Yeah, still got a killer soundtrack. Um, it looks gorgeous again. Um, the characters are really good. Yeah, I, I remember loving the pixel art that they did with it. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's nothing different than what they did the first time visually, but it still looks great. They've got some new locations um, that the other one didn't have, but it's got some of the same kind of stuff. Like the the snow place looks like the snow place from the last one, uh, but the desert this time instead of being like a Arabic kind of theme like the last one. It's uh, like a Japanese kind of theme in this one. So it's kind of got a different take on like the architecture and stuff there. I'm curious to see um, if they kind of turn this into an ongoing series or not. Knowing Square, probably. (laughs) Man, if they do one like every five years or whatever, like that's a good pace. I think I I could buy one every five years and quite enjoy it. There you go. Yeah, so hopefully I'll have more updates on that next time we talk, too. Very good. Awesome. All right, so our main topic for today, we were going to talk about strategy guides and uh, our journey with those. Um, So to start us off, do you have an earliest memory of using a guide to help you through a game? Yeah, um, probably... The one that jumps to mind most is the one, and I, I know the, our listeners can't see it, but I grabbed it and I've got it <laughs> at, at hand here. And it's the official Nintendo Player's Guide. And I'm sure I like saw some small things before that. I mean, I remember seeing a book that was like uh, like a Pac-Man guy that would, you know, te- I, was, I was pretty little and I didn't really pay attention to that stuff very much. So this is probably the first one that I really got into. And like this guide like i don't know man spent so much time flipping and reading through and like studying this thing um and was there a specific game in it you were like really hyper focused on um no i mean that's not the thing it's not just one game like this helped me play through tons of games because like um like Kid Icarus, right? I mean, mm-hmm. there's like maps and everything in there. Um, like Zelda 2. Again, there's like maps of the palaces, tells you things that are in there. Um, there are some games that I probably wouldn't really play and pay much attention to. I mean, you know, like Double Dribble is in here. <laughs> I'm like, I don't really know why you need to devote space to that. And uh, there's even things that in here that I thought was interesting because they take 
some other publishers titles and they're in the guide mm-hmm. but they put them into their that classification system that nintendo used early <laughs> on it's like the adventure series the action series the and that's how they kind of classify programmable all. series yeah yeah so that's how they classify all the games so you have quite a few games in here that are not nintendo properties i mean see like you got castlevania i mean you've got like even Deadly Towers is in here. I mean, Man, that game needed a, a guide. Yeah, I mean, you got like Commando. You've got, I mean, all sorts of stuff that's in here. Um, and, you know, they've got like other little bits of information on some other games. Um, a big thing that was the only way I ever could beat the game was Goonies 2 is in here because they've like a map that shows oh, yeah. you like. What door goes from what side to what side? Where do you punch a random wall to like crawl through it into yes. the next area? <laughs> yes, like there's uh, guides to all that stuff in here, and that was the only way I could beat Goonies too, back in the yeah. day. Um, at like Rygar, it's got like maps of like all these levels, like how to get through the final level. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff that's in here, so. Um, to me, this was like amazing. And you would even like the games you didn't have, you could go through and see all this stuff about them and like, okay, I'm going to rent this or I want to play this. And, um, and you know, it kind of gave you like, oh man, look, this game looks cool. I want to check it out. Um, I'm sure we'll talk more about it later. But they even have like a, a thing at the end, which always cracked me up, of like a coming attractions page, like games that are coming soon. <laughs> And I'm just going to spend a second on here. Sure. Big spread for California Raisins or something? No, but here's a couple of these that are really interesting. Um, I don't know how this happened. There's Wizards and Warriors, but it's uh-huh. Wizards and Warriors. They spelled warrior wrong. <laughs> it's W-A-R-R-I-E-R-S. I-E-R-S. <laughs> okay. Which is kind of weird because on the same opposing page they have dragon warrior and dragon warrior (laughs) is spelled properly (laughs) i don't know how that happened so it makes me wonder if maybe uh, acclaim was going to not spell it that way i don't know um or it's just a typo i have no idea um and they also have on here um it's not akari warriors 2 victory road just victory road Wait, wait, is it Akari Warriors or Akari Warriors? Uh, it doesn't even say anything about that. It just says Victory Road. And, like, ah. it, it, it uh, I mean, it says, like, in the little blurb here that they're the Akari Warriors, but it just says Victory Road. And the one that always got all the attention was Return of Donkey Kong, which <laughs> was never a game, right? Yeah. It was, and it says, this is your chance to get hold of that barrel-throwing, mischief-making rascal Donkey Kong and take control. Nintendo's best-known character is back, and he's up to more tricks and trouble than you can imagine. So this was a game where you were going to be Donkey Kong. Obviously never came out. So I wonder if they kind of... Nintendo's really known for this. I wonder if they reworked this later into maybe Donkey Kong Country or took some ideas from what they were going to do there. I don't know. Well, they didn't uh, really make Donkey Kong Country. That was all Rare's baby. Yeah, but I mean, it was their properties and things. And I 
guarantee that Nintendo had a hand in it. You know what I mean? I, I don't know. Like, from what I've been listening to in, like, podcasts on that, they didn't have a whole lot to do with it other than, like, saying yes or no to things after. Like, they weren't really involved in decisions on that game. Hmm. Um, I don't know. I, I mean, here, like, obviously there was, I mean, this is from Nintendo, so it's not like it was some weird rumor or something. Right. Uh, I would be, it'd be interesting to see if we ever get anything else about that. Um, they talk about Dragon Power. Um, that game which, is awful. Yeah. Right. Which was uh, a Dragon Ball game, right? In yeah. Japan. In Japan, yeah. But here, like, in the in the text, like, it says teamed with goku and nora <laughs> your mission is to find the dragon's seven crystal balls so i mean it's basically describing dragon ball yeah um you still have to find the seven balls in dragon power but yeah it's not goku, it's not goku and nora i don't think i nora. think they renamed them and i can't yeah. remember what they called them yeah yeah so it's it's just interesting to go back and look at some of this i mean some of the things that are on here are, are all the rest of the stuff came out um but uh, yeah, it's just interesting to kind of see these little oddities in here, um, and they have like uh, you know listing like all the games up to that time, right? Like, what year of... did this book come out? Um, have you never read this? I have. I just can't remember when it was published. Um, I it was don't... late eighties or early nineties? So yeah, I, uh, I have to see. Um, Eighty-seven. Oh, earlier than I would have guessed. Okay. Yeah. So, editor-in-chief, Howard Phillips. Nice. The game master. Yeah. So, you know, if you ever get a chance to have a conversation with him. <laughs> I'll have to ask him how to spell warriors. <laughs> I just, I'm sure everyone's <laughs> asked him, like, what's Return of Donkey Kong? I'm sure, like, nobody's ever gotten an answer about anything. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's it's kind of an interesting book. It's pretty cool. Um, anyway, though, yeah, that's, I would probably say my, my fond early memory of, uh, of a game guide. How that's about great. you? Um, so my cousin was the one who introduced me to NES and he had a big stack of like tips and tricks books and guides like that one. I remember flipping through them, but they weren't mine. So I couldn't take them home and actually like use them. So, cause he lived in a different city. Like we weren't close geographically. Um, so the first one I actually remember was quite a big time jump after that. Um, there might be one I'm overlooking, but I think the first time I used a guide was for Ocarina of Time. And it was a game fact, not a like paper guide. And the game had just come out and my buddy and I had skipped school that day to like play some Ocarina of Time. And we'd gotten to the Water Temple and at the time, every guide on GameFAQ stopped at the Water Temple because that temple sucks. It was and hard, yeah. Yeah, and everyone that's transcribing it, you know, that's a lot of time and effort. So I'm sure they were working as fast as they could. But uh, so we got to that point in the game and I was like, I guess we're on our own now. And we kind of had to figure out the rest of the way through. Uh, but yeah, I remember not relying on it too much uh but we wanted because we were skipping school we knew our our time was limited uh until we got caught if we couldn't keep doing that repeatedly so it was like we got to get through this as quick as we can so anytime we'd run into something that would get us stuck it's like okay look it up you look it up and 
And uh, at my friend's house, because uh, we we didn't have a computer at my house at that time, he'd have to like run upstairs, you know, log into the internet, log right? in, yeah, yeah, have the modem <laughs> scream. And sometimes he'd like print off a sheet if it was really complicated and we couldn't just write down notes or something. And he'd come downstairs with a piece of paper, and you know that would help us, uh, you know, find those skulltulas or whatever we were looking for at the time. It's funny. Yeah. So yeah, early internet days, then, huh? Totally, yeah. We and that, like, I'm sure he knew about that before because he was a little more tech savvy, and like he was the kid with the Game Sharks and stuff like that. Um, I, that might have been my introduction to Game Facts too. Honestly, I don't think I knew about it before then. Yeah, Game Facts. Um, I mean, I guess at its heart, really hasn't changed a lot over time. But I mean, it was. It has not changed at all. Yeah, I mean, somebody bought it and like. I, yeah, I mean, there's like Ziff ads Davis on the on the bar. Bought it at some point, but yeah. And I there's HTML spot, versions now. They're not just all text documents. So, but it's, yeah, pretty much the same thing. Mm-hmm. Which is good. Yeah, it's a real look back at like late '90s like internet culture. If you if you wanted to go pull up some old uh, guides or dig through the forums or stuff like that, like it's really untouched for the most part yeah which is sometimes that's what you need i mean there are times i still use game facts to this day because it's i mean i don't have to dig through five million ads and click through 16 <laughs> dozen pages you can just control f and okay away you go right it is probably still the best resource for nes games online for like helping players through them um, there, it, it's kind of neat because when I was going through the library, um, when I would look up facts, um, I kind of pieced together that sometime around the like probably 2005 to 8 ish, there was like a big community push on the NES forums to have a fact written for every single licensed NES game. Uh, they failed at that because sometimes it would be like, uh, like, f117 stealth bomber and the guy would just like transcribe the manual like he wouldn't put any sort of fact on there he just put something in to like have a placeholder and then nobody ever got around to doing the actual guide Um, so there's i'd say probably five to ten percent of the library that just has a manual transcribed and no actual help but they got most of it done and it was really interesting because you've got guys like that love baseball. And so they're like, you know, digging into baseball stats. Like, here's why this is the best team. And this is the one you're going to want to start with. And and the next guy loves puzzle games. So he's like, I'm going to walk you through castle quest. And here's the way to run through it with the minimum amount of keys and the maximum amount of keys. And Yeah. And I think if nobody had used game facts, they'd probably be surprised because this is all just text, right? There's no graphics. Uh, there's no pictures like maps or anything. There's Sometimes there's always ASCII one maps. cool, yeah, ASCII um, picture at the top of the title or like a character or something from the game. Every once in a while, they'll try to like draw like a little ASCII map on there. Um, but yeah, for the most part, that's it. It's like you just have to figure it out from what they're telling you. And sometimes yeah. it's really well, they're pretty well written, and sometimes they're not so good. <laughs> yeah, and it's funny because some games too, you'll have like 10 different guides. And you'll go through the first few and you're like, oh, these ones are really bad. And then you'll hit one and you're like, oh, this guy like 
knows how to draw a map and this guy knows how to organize information so you can find what you want to find. And yeah. Cause most of these were, you know, 10 to 18 year olds just writing oh, yeah. on the computer. Yeah. So you, the quality is uh, varied. Well, and you know, nobody was getting paid for anything. It was just, you li- like the game and you wanted to put something out there, you know? And at the time, writing one of those was kind of like a thing. You're like, oh, hey, look, mm-hmm. I've got a guide that's out there. And they, they're a lot of work. Like some of the, like putting together a guide for any role-playing game is weeks of knowing the game, like playing the game, uh, like taking notes, like mapping it out, it's, it's, you know, recording stats of weapons and enemies and oh, so much work. I know, like, when I was playing through Tactics Ogre, I looked a few guides up, and there are people who are so hardcore dedicated to that. Like, they know, like, what all the drop rates are to everything, mm-hmm. and, like, have it mapped out, like, the the enemy, this particular enemy that starts off in this square, because, like, it can have different spawns. Like, this one <laughs> will can drop these things, and you're like, oh my gosh, man, somebody really put a lot of work into this. Or it probably was a group of people over time, but... Yeah. Like a lot of work. Yeah, sometimes uh, it's cool, like, is if you do dig through the forums for specific games, too, you can see people like, I wrote this guide, but I can't figure out this drop rate or this spawn point. Like, does anybody have any insight? And then you have people back and forth trying to figure out what was going on, and then someone nails it. And then when you go into the fact, you can see, oh, this was updated on whatever date. Uh, and special thanks to so and so in the forums for pointing out this that I couldn't figure out. And, it was a really cool community at the time. Yeah. Um, I mean, people still ride them, uh, but it's probably not nearly what it used to be. No, but you did say, and, and it was true at the time, that it, like you didn't get paid. But after, I think, GameSpot bought them, you can see where they actually put up bounties. They're like, hey, we'll give 200 bucks to the first person who gets up a good review for yeah. you know Red, Red Dead Redemption or whatever. And then, so, if, if you were quick and... At a certain level of uh, quality, you could get some money for them at a certain point. I don't know if they're still doing that. So if you want to work for probably the equivalent of a dollar an hour, <laughs> yep. you can go for it. I mean, if you're quick enough, you can get that game paid for and you know buy the next one kind of thing. But, for uh, young people, yeah, yeah. It probably makes them have a job anyway. So, you know, yeah. I, I get it. Very cool. Yeah, things that control F, uh, big help. Uh, that's uh, I think maybe the biggest advantage that a digital guide has over a physical one. When you want to find something very specific in a reasonable amount of time. Oh my gosh, I remember. I mean, I don't know. This may have been before your day, but like Mortal Kombat, Mortal Kombat Two, and stuff. People would like print off move and fatality <laughs> lists. And bring them with them to the arcade and stuff. It was, it was crazy. I had the guide for MK3, and that thing was probably the most dog-eared, torn-apart guide I ever owned. That because I had it with me constantly because I loved the art in it, and I tried to draw the characters and had to memorize the fatalities. And the thing was ragged. Yeah, I just remember like printed move lists and stuff. So. <laughs> somebody oh what you know how to do this oh let me try it you know yeah yeah it was it was pretty crazy days back then and yeah i mean gosh 
there's just things that don't happen anymore, right? Like a well, game those just games come out you, and no, they have move lists in them now. You don't need to right. have a guide for but them. But people don't understand. Like the game never told you how to do it. You just no, had to figure it out, and people would just share it by word of mouth. I mean, like, I remember Street Fighter 2. Nobody showed you. The game never taught you how to do the moves. It would be somebody at the arcade that could do it. You'd be like, oh, my God, how do you do that? And they would show you. And it just eventually became, you know, something from people just telling. And eventually the magazines did, like, move lists and things. But, like, early on it was just like, oh, my God, this dude knows how to do a fireball. Here, show Uh, me. If someone could, like, turn into a, a dragon as Liu Kang at the end of a fight, like, just blow your mind <laughs> yeah you'd see that the stuff and you'd be like oh my god that's so cool yeah even if like you'd seen it before the fact that they remembered it without having to like pause and like look up where to stand and what buttons to push like that was impressive definitely definitely those were good times yeah yeah um any do you, do you have a preference over like a digital versus a physical guide you probably don't or- have to ask um yeah physical guides um not that i would buy a lot for newer games i think that time has kind of passed so yeah i think that time is a little over i think these days maybe they should come with the book or i think the bigger thing these days are like art books which i think is a better place for that sort of thing um i just don't know if there's a big market for strategy guides anymore but back in the day oh man they were fantastic and i've still got tons of them i mean and we'll i'm sure we'll walk through some of them but um there would be multiple right you would get like the official one and then like the unofficial guides <laughs> several and, different unofficial oh yeah. Ones, yeah and like sometimes the official guide was the best and sometimes the unofficial guides were better mm-hmm. so um final fantasy 9 <laughs> yeah i mean yeah. like i've got like the Metal Gear Solid, I've got the official and the unofficial. And to me, the unofficial one's better. Um, yeah, just a lot of that sort of stuff. Um, because like the unofficial guides, they would get the Japanese game really early and just, you know, they would have all that stuff from Japan. Right. And sometimes the names and things would be wrong because they were trying to get it so early. But, uh, you know, that's how they got the skinny on that stuff. And... Um, yeah, digital, I mean, it's good for what it is. Like, say, like, uh, Control-F or let me Google this. But, I mean, they're kind of like these. They kind of suck because they're just <laughs> click machines with ads smeared everywhere. Like, you, half the time you click on one, so many ads come up that you can't even find where the information is. And sometimes they literally are just like so a blurb that doesn't even exist explain what you're trying to find Um, it's weird too because you said like there's not much demand and it's funny because there's more demand than ever for guides but not for paper guides like that's that's a real obscure niche now because like a lot of the big websites uh say like the guides brings everyone to the site like they out they eclipse all the news sites or all the news stories and other blurbs uh and the guides are what drives traffic to these big gaming websites, but you barely see like you get like a nice special edition when the new Zelda comes out or something like paper guide, but it's pretty rare to be able to get a physical guide for things these days. Yeah. And some, to some degree, I kind of get it because 
games aren't stagnant like they used to be. I mean, now, I mean, changes come out. They patch things. Um, DLC mm. comes out. I mean, the idea of trying to get a complete guide out would be very difficult for a lot of games these days. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I get that the internet's a better place for some of that stuff, but nothing in me gets excited about it. You know what I mean? I'm never like, ooh, man, let me go check this out. It's like, oh, I need this answer to something, and I'll wade through some ads to get it, I guess. What's the last physical guide you've picked up? Gosh, that's a good question. Guide? I think that's hard to say. Um, Because I just haven't made any in a long time. I don't know. I can't think offhand. We we picked up one for Breath of the Wild because... Because it had a sweet map for like the Koroks and the shrines and stuff. I'm pretty sure I got a bought a guide to Skyrim at one point okay. in time. So that's, that was probably the last one. Those guides are huge. Any of those Elder Scrolls ones. I've got like a Morrowind guide and an Oblivion guide, and yeah, they're thick. Yeah. Um, I want to say that's probably the last one. Um and I think I even got it used or something at one mm-hmm. of the secondhand places. Like, it's what you'll see. I don't, I'm guessing it's been a while since I've been in a secondhand bookstore. But you used to go, like, and they would have tons of these guides. Like, a lot of times really cheap. Because mm-hmm. they would sell, and, like, the game loses popularity pretty quick. And people don't want to buy the guides, so they get them for, like, a buck or two. And so you'd find tons of these things. And that was probably, and I like. 360 ps3 era yeah I, I don't know how much of that stuff comes out anymore yeah um, when i had my game store downtown there for a little while there was a used bookstore across the street and yeah he'd come over like every couple months and just have a big box of guides he's like nobody wants these like give me 25 cents a pop for them and they're yours sure um which makes sense i mean i get it um these things take up space and you gotta put them somewhere. And if you don't have a strong attachment to a game, googling it, it's probably just fine. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't. I mean, kids are never gonna have the fun that I did. You know, pouring <laughs> pouring through the Nintendo Player's Guide. It's just yeah. it's not a thing. I mean, these days it's gonna be I'm gonna watch a YouTuber do whatever. Right? That's what they people do. They let yeah. me look at a YouTube walkthrough or whatever it is. Well, let's talk about video walkthroughs then. We, we haven't really touched on that yet. Um, is that some a resource you've used at all? Sure, like way back. Um, so way back in the NES days, people, there were like VHS tapes that you could rent that like were tips and tricks for games. <laughs> and I remember renting those. I even, I have a couple of them now um, that I picked up later just to have, but you know, that was a thing. Uh, it was the beginning of that stuff, I suppose. Probably. Yeah. And, you know, they would put out these, and it would just be a bunch of different games. And, okay, here's how you do this in this game. Here's how you do this in this game. Or maybe, like, a couple tricks out of each one. But they were all pretty short. Little mm-hmm. clips about things. Um, and pretty random about what they had in them. <laughs> but, you know, they were interesting. And, I mean, again, at that time there wasn't much to consume so what came out you really paid attention to it and you'd watch it 
like now, I mean, you know, my God, there's, you know, a gajillion YouTube videos pouring out every minute about everything. So, <laughs> and they're so hyper specific now too, if you want to. Oh yeah. Which is good. I mean, I, I think that's good. If you have a really niche thing, you can still find somebody that's interested in what you're interested in like i mean you're talking about like your kids playing hades recently like if you like i want i want to figure out how to get through hades and you type in like hades like spear like because that's your favorite weapon it's like here's ten thousand different spear builds you can have it's like what kind of spear do you want do you want a poseidon spear build do you want an aphrodite spear build uh uh aries spear build and then there's like sub builds on top of that and like it's it's really hard to get generalized information for some games. Yeah, I think that's the tough part is um, we've gone so far to some of that that, I mean, like, you know, even if something may have something you're interested in, you're going to have to wade through like a half an hour of something to find yeah. it. You know, I guess it's okay. But um, again, sometimes it's just nice to have like a, a written document. Yeah. Um, and sometimes if, if you are looking for one, like if say you're in a, a dungeon in like a Zelda game and there's just one piece of that dungeon you can't figure out you need help with, you don't want to sit through an hour long walkthrough. You got to like, you know, use the scroll bar and find the spot you're at and hope you're not going too far ahead and getting the next thing spoiled. And Yeah, I mean, it, uh, and that's so far too with those because I mean... It's very easy to get things spoiled in those videos. Just in the picture, like the thumbnail for them sometimes. Right. So um, that's why I understand why some people go on a blackout and they're like, I'm not looking at anything until I play through or whatever. Because they don't want anything ruined. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I think that's the tough part is like there's so many people that want that. 10 bucks or whatever they're going to get out of that video or more uh you know they're just gonna yeah you get a glut of it you know what i mean mm-hmm. when a game comes out i don't know what, totally. what are your thoughts about video walkthroughs um the only time i've really found one helpful was in Sekiro. i was having trouble with the uh man i can't remember the name of the boss now that Optional one, like the Demon of Hatred or something. That's not what he's called, but it's close enough to that. There was a Demon uh, of Hatred, yeah. Is that what he was called? Okay. Yeah. I wasn't sure if I had it quite The giant, right. fiery monkey guy. Yeah. He was uh, a beast of a fight, and so I was like, I need some ideas like how to get through this. So I did watch a couple people play through it, and they had different tactics, too, for it. So I was like, okay, well, which one of these am I going to be having an easier time with? and figure it out and so that yeah you watch like the whole fight and and then uh take your favorite parts from these different strategies and figure out what you can make work yeah i remember my favorite part about one of those was the thing where you could like make him walk off a cliff and dust just die <laughs> I, I saw that immediately after i finished the fight and i'm like ah oh, i could have just uh, cheesed it i mean i played him legit but i you know like you had to play through like so many cycles of that game to get like all the achievements or whatever yeah. And so like the next couple times through, I'm like, nah, I'm just going to glitch this guy off the edge. I'm not fighting him again. <laughs> yeah. I don't blame you. It wasn't that fun of a fight in the first place. No. And it's kind of entertaining just to watch him. Ah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I got no problem with that. I didn't. They programmed the guy. They could have patched that out, but they didn't. So. 
it's true. Um, I I will say though that for video walkthroughs, especially for NES games, um, they were a huge help with some games that were really really tough to um, watch and rewatch them multiple times until I really like, had some information burned in my head. It's like okay, that's where he's picking up like this power up that's like hidden, or this boss is really tough, but if you move in this way, like you can kind of get them locked in a pattern that you can deal with a little easier. So those things are really hard to write down in on paper and it was so helpful to be able to visually see them played through in their entirety i would imagine yeah for something like what you're trying to do and i'm gonna go beat every game or whatever um yeah i would imagine that's probably huge and did you ever i, I would be curious then with things like that did you ever try to watch like any of those task videos just to see like what the computer what tactic they used Sometimes I would, but they were often things that were either so frame perfect or um, they'd use a glitch that I wasn't comfortable using or something. So I didn't find them helpful very often. Uh, But sometimes when I just wanted to know that quick route through a maze or something, they were helpful for that because you could find like glitchless task runs. So it's like, okay, I'm not going to do whatever tactic he's doing to get through this room, but I will know it's like left, left, right, right, up, down, left, down, like to get through the maze kind of thing. So I would use it for that on on complicated games. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah. No, I get it. Um, that's the thing though, again, like guides like these old ones are just fascinate me so much because to get everything that's in here, I mean, these are pictures of television screens. Yeah. Right, and they've like stitched like them Polaroid together. Polaroid shots, like yeah, stitched together. And honestly, I really wonder like how they got such good ones. I mean, some of these like are crystal clear. So I'm like, how did you even get an NES to put out graphics this sharp for you to take pictures of? Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm sure they had their own ways to do it, but. Um, but it's like that combination of that. And then you'll have some hand-drawn maps to go with it. But a lot of these are just literally screen grabs of areas. And, yeah, they look pretty clear and amazing. So I just think about all the work that went into doing some of these things. It's pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. And these totally. days it's just, man, eh, whatever, throw up my capture card. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so you talked about one of your your favorite paper guides. Do you have any other ones that stand out to you? Yeah, I mean, some of these are just ones from back in the day that I've just kept hold of. Um, so a few. I really like what Sega did during the 16-bit era for some of their more challenging games. They included a hint book with the game. Mm-hmm. So, um, games like Fantasy Star 2 came with like a thick hint book. Um, you didn't have to Almost all of those EA role-playing games had a huge, huge book with them. Yeah. Yeah. Like if you get, um, like Buck Rogers, like there's this super thick novel. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Book that comes with it. Um, uh, like Sword of Vermilion, this really thick booklet that comes Mm -hmm. with it. Uh, again, that's got hints in it. Uh, it was very common back in that day to, to do stuff like that. And 
um, a lot of times they would bin- bundle them with the game, and they mm-hmm. were it's pretty big. Like because RPGs back then were they were pretty big, and you didn't have these resources like you do now, so they were really a godsend sometimes to try to figure out what you're supposed to do or where you're supposed to go. You know, Nintendo did something similar to that with Nintendo Power and mm-hmm. um, some of the guys that went with it. But um, a specific, like the Fancy Star 2 hint book. I, I mean, I don't know how I would have ever beaten that game back in the day without the hint manual. Some of those mazes, especially like the dams that you have to navigate through and these, they have teleporters everywhere trying to figure out where you're going. I don't it, you would have had to obviously draw on a map, so thank goodness they put that stuff in, or it would just been a nightmare. Uh, but they really made some games that probably would have been a little frustrating to play, enjoyable at mm-hmm. that point. Um, later on, things kind of went more of the buy your book. I mean, I've got like the Fantasy Star 4 uh, official hint book that came out, and um, it's really well done i like you know they'll put artwork and everything in there but you know it goes through everything you need to know like oh hey there's you can use these combinations of things to get these special results and whatever the case is um so that's another one that i really like is the the fantasy star 4 uh, hint guide and uh, i've got a couple from the playstation area I, again there was these uh, a couple different companies that would put these out there there'd be like uh prima Prime a lot. Prime a lot of times were like the legit ones, not always, but. And then, I think around the like PS2 GameCube era onward, they were more of the official ones. I think in the PS1 era, they might have had more unofficial ones. Yeah, and they're, um, gosh, I looked at them before. I can't, I can't remember. So I've got a guide for Metal Gear Solid and Final Fantasy VII that are both unauthorized guides. And I think they're like that. They're like the same company put them out or whatever. Hmm. But they're really well, really well done, uh, and they were pretty complete. I remember I bought like the Final Fantasy VII guide on the same day Final Fantasy VII came out, and I bought the game. Uh, they had it on the shelf, so you know, obviously they'd gotten the Japanese version and done whatever. Uh, they, they don't know. It was exciting. I, I really like some of those. I'm going to guess that some things in them are not quite right. I remember like one that I bought, like Final Fantasy XI when that came out. really didn't understand what kind of online RPG was. Yes. And they sold a guidebook with it. Well, not with it, but I mean, they sold a guidebook as well. And the idea in your head of like an MMO paper guidebook just sounds dumb. <laughs> because of how things change so often. And yeah, it is. It's dumb. Uh, you know, yeah, it's a snapshot of what the game was like in the very beginning, but I'm guaranteed worthless now. Uh, but at the yeah. time, it was pretty cool. And you didn't know, right? That's what you did with those kind of games. You'd, oh, I'll go get the Final Fantasy Guide or whatever. Um, and to realize that, oh, after a while, this thing is pretty much totally useless. <laughs> uh, those are some of my favorites. I really, and the Nintendo ones that they would put out. So like the little pull-out guides that you would get in some of them, like the Ninja Gaiden guides. And later on, they had like, you know, separate guides under themselves. But usually mm-hmm. they would be kind of like the Nintendo Player's Guide. They would have like Game Boy or, or like Secret Codes or 
like Super Nintendo games or whatever the case is. Yeah. Um, Mario Mania. Yeah. And I have to shout out, it's been a while since we've mentioned it, but Jeff Rovin and the How to Win It Nintendo books. When I got to uh, Simon's Quest 2 when I was going through my NES games, I, I pulled that out. My son was watching me play. And I pulled out the Jeff Rovin book and I passed it to him. And I'm like, here, if I get stuck, like you got to read this like wall of text. Cause it wasn't even like broken into paragraphs. It's just like three pages of instructions with commas in between things. Like, where do I have to duck with the stupid crystal again? Like, can you, can you look it up? Look, if they put extra space in for paragraphs, that adds pages and that's money, man. Can't do yeah. that. Um, yeah, it was kind of a, a different world by and like when those how to win into you I, I don't know I'm mean, like me at least I would read like about games I hadn't even played because mm-hmm. it was just you'd be like oh okay what's this game like and it would give you a chance to kind of learn about it uh, and whatnot and then maybe you'd rent it someday like oh yeah I remember I got that thing in this guide I can go take a look at it um, so I think kids still do that but it's with YouTube videos now because my neighbor that I walk to school with every morning and my nephew they're around. 10 to 12 years old and they're constantly like do you know about this game and they are telling me about the bad guys and they're telling me about the characters and the items and then like wow i'm like how long have you been playing it they're like oh i've never played it and they're just like i watched this cool video on it and this guy's telling me all about it so it's cool to see the kids still do that like that hasn't changed it's just a different format well that's cool yeah yeah i get it because uh, you know a lot of um yeah, these same people make all these YouTube videos and uh, totally because like if I was a kid these days and I liked Castlevania and I was like reading about Castlevania 3 I would totally be walking to school telling my neighbor like did you know you can be Grant and Alucard's son like Dracula's son's in it and I'd, I'd be doing the exact same thing that they're doing sure yeah I mean it was exciting and Back then, I mean, you're reading it. It's just all in your head. You don't even know what it's actually going to play like. Mm-hmm. At least they get to watch a video and know what they're in for now. Totally. Um, but yeah, no, those are some of my favorites. What about <laughs> what about you? You got some Good guides? Um, yeah. Um, one of the ones I still have from when I was a teenager uh, that I really liked, and I know you're going to chuckle at it, but the guide for Final Fantasy X2. Uh, <laughs> about those dress fears, man. You do, you do, because there's a hundred stage dungeon, like optional dungeon, and man, you have to be max level and have like a perfect build and uh, maximize those dress spheres uh, to get through that, so that was helpful. Uh, There's also multiple routes you can go through that game, so if you want a hundred percent run to get the the good ending, like the guide was great for that, because there's even a spot in the back of the guide that's like the hundred percent run. And it's like, if you do this thing, you get 0.2%. And if you do this thing, it's worth 1.4% of your total completion. And so I had it all broken down so you didn't miss anything like in checklists for each chapter. So I remember that guide being surprisingly useful going through that game to get the really good ending. Which, honestly, the really good ending is like the worst ending because it wrecks the ending from Final Fantasy X. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's, it's awful. I'd, I'd rather get the bad ending in X2 now that I know what both of them are. All right. Well, we um, never that guide got was good. 10, ten three to see where it goes. <laughs> uh, it also Walk had returns. Uh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> it also had um, a pullout poster that had all of the dress spheres and like it was like a uh, grid 
where it had like each of the three girls and like what their stats would be in each of the different costumes. So it was like a pretty decent sized poster once you unfolded the whole thing. I had that on my wall for like five or six years. So many games would have those. Yeah, I'd kind of forgotten. And those were, yeah, they were great. Mm-hmm. Like all the Final Fantasies, they'd have like one side would be like, here's all your spells and equipment. And the other side, here's all the monsters and their, you know, weaknesses and stats. And oh, yeah. Love those kind of things. Definitely. Um, the only other one that really jumps out to me, and I got this one much uh, way later than when I beat it, was uh, I got the tips book for Adventures of Lolo. Oh, yeah, yeah. And it's really cool because it's, it's all hand-drawn. So it's like you want to get through this puzzle, and there's like a drawing of the floor layout and an arrow where you need to push a guy. And then uh, the second drawing has, okay, now push him down this way. And someone like really took their time to hand draw how to move these little creatures around to find your way out of each room uh, and it's really cool and I, th- I think that's the only Lolo you probably don't need a guide for like the puzzles aren't so bad that you can't figure them out if you try enough times but there's a few where it's just nice to have that and go oh yeah yeah okay so I gotta push them in the water and ride them on the water it's like I just forgot about that I'm so amazed that I mean, now you know, but, um, like, so many of those were just the guides that were printed in Japan, and they're like, we've already got these things. Just translate them and send them over there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, You know. But, uh, like, I've got those, the How to Win at Super Mario Brothers and the the Zelda guide, the ones that Nintendo themselves sold um, back in the day. And, yeah, those are just some guides you look inside it's like a japanese printing company i mean (laughs) things that came from over there they already had and they just it made good sense um a lot of that stuff was mail order back in the day Uh, yeah especially the nes ones yeah you just had to look out and some of them i've never seen to this day like i've never seen the ultima guide Mm -hmm. uh the ultima exodus guide or I like the Hudson Adventure Island thing, right? Uh, isn't that the one that was just like printed off, like hand printed, like printer uh, paper? Surprise me. I'm not familiar with that one, but that would not surprise me. Yeah, there's like some of those are like literally just, they just made photocopies of like <laughs> typed out guides. It's just, it's pretty crazy back in the day. Uh, I don't remember why, but I remember Adventures of Lolo 1 and 3 both having guides, but 2 didn't get one for some reason. Uh, so someone on Nintendo Age had like made their own in the same style as the 1 and 3 and like printed it out. And, and it was pretty cool to like complete that trilogy because uh, it's weird to just skip one in the middle. I bet there's probably a Japanese version of the same thing over there that you could, could just import. I almost guarantee it. <laughs> It's um, interesting that uh, obviously all that stuff caught on there first and then we got, uh, I think, a taste of it, but I don't think we ever got quite the impact that of what they had over there. Mm-hmm. Um, but still cool to see what we got. Did you ever have the Final Fantasy IX guide? No, no. No. Do you, do you know about that one? I don't. I don't know anything in particular about it now. All right, I will enlighten you. It is it's it's widely known as like the worst guide that's ever been released. 
Is it like uh, inaccurate or something? So this was at the time when Square had their like, oh, what was what was their website called? Playnet or something? Uh huh. Play online. Play online. Thank you. So you'll go on the guide and they'll be like, "Hey, here's uh, here's the new dungeon that you're gonna enter. Uh, if you want a map for it, go to playonline.com. Uh, here's the boss. If you want his stats, go to playonline.com. And literally every page in the manual is like, if you want to know more, go to the website. The website is now defunct, obviously. So the guide has like almost no information or maps or anything. It's very thin for a Final Fantasy guide, and that is why. And I remember Play Online, because that was, I mean, that was like the gateway thing as well for Final Fantasy XI. Yeah. Uh, You logged into Play Online, and yeah, you could play the card game. Um, What was it? Tetra Master? That was from 9, yeah. Yeah. Uh, But you could play it online. That was part of Play Online. You could play Tetra Master. And uh, you could play Final Fantasy XI. But it was like its own thing. Like you would log into it first and it would have like announcements and that sort of thing. It was like a front mm-hmm. end and you could send messages. And I, I would imagine it probably to some degree still has to exist because Final Fantasy XI still works. Uh, at least on PC. So some remnant of it still has to exist and function. But I thought that was in like their, they were going to be their portal to all their stuff yeah um kind of like blizzard.net but much less successful yeah yeah i don't know i'd be curious if internet archive has some of that stuff captured probably somewhere the next time you're at a game store though if you see a final fantasy 9 guy just open it up and flip through it and see how many times you count like the little there's a little box that shows up that's like go to playonline.com See how many times you can you can count that just flipping through a few pages. Which is funny because like I've gotten the Final Fantasy Eleven guide and it's about an online game that was a part of Play mm-hmm. Online and I'm sure there's some of that in there, but mostly no, it's just a guide. <laughs> yeah. No. They like the guide for eight's fine, the guide for ten's fine, just nine got this really awful guide that doesn't it's not helpful at all. So that's the one to go for the unofficial, right? totally unauthorized yeah so i I heard a couple years ago like right before COVID hit that they reissued uh the guides for seven eight nine and they actually like redid nine they reworked it so i think there is an official one now that had like one print run so it's probably hard to find and expensive at this point but uh, the original old one uh is atrocious how did you not buy it when it came out then i did (laughs) that's why i know the new one Oh, I wanted to, but, you know, it was COVID, like, things were tight, and uh, we weren't uh, sure what was going on, so it was like, I can't be wasting 50 bucks to buy three reissued Final Fantasy guides. Now they're probably need. like $600 or Probably, something. yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. But, wait, I don't know, I mean, we have those Ultimania guide books that came out, so... Yeah. That's got a lot of content in there. I mean, it's not mm-hmm. really like strategy guides, per se, but... Yeah, it's more like information on the series, isn't it? Yeah, like art and you know, all sorts of stuff. Like mm-hmm. character bios and all sorts of things. And right, right. Yeah. Yeah, you don't even get any of that in the official nine guide. Like <laughs> there's there's no information of anything useful in that book. Yeah, I, I found that really you know, game books these days have gone the route of art books or like that kind of thing, which 
you know, again, I, I, some of the art's beautiful. I've got quite a few video game art books. Um, mm-hmm. I like them. Um, I can't get every single one for everything, but the games you really love, you go out and you pick those things up. And, totally. uh, those, the Final Fantasy, I mean, I only bought that first volume of that Ultimania. Um, because you know, I, I mostly it's one just, through six. Yeah, the I, I mo- those are the games I mostly like, and uh, it was really well done, uh, really well done books. Uh, you guys bought some of the other ones, though, right? Bill Bill grabbed the the one that had ten in it. I think ten, eleven, twelve, maybe. Okay. Or seven, eight, nine. You have one of those two. I, I think there were like three or four volumes altogether. Yeah. I don't know. I just like yeah. I said, I just picked the first one up. I, I still want to get them. I just haven't pulled the trigger yet. Probably wouldn't be that bad. I'm sure you could just watch, wait for an Amazon sale or something. Yeah, it's not that the price is outrageous. It's just money has to go to other things at the moment. And when I could free up some cash for books, there's like a couple dozen I'd like to get. I Trust me, man. I totally understand. <laughs> yeah. Right there with you. Um, I've For my birthday, I was given... Uh, like 50 bucks worth of xbox gift cards and i'm still holding on to them because i'm <laughs> like i it's probably gonna be something i really want at some point in time and so far nothing's pried them out of my grasp yet so just be patient you'll find that sweet deal you're waiting for i don't know i tried playing that little long demo and i've heard mixed things on that one yeah not it ain't my cup of tea i'll just say that which is really weird because I played through the Neo games, but mm-hmm. it's like they took the wrong parts of Sekiro and jammed them in. So <laughs> it's all the Demon of Hatred fight. Um, they're like, okay, hey, that parrying idea was kind of cool. We'll like put tons of that in there and basically make you perfectly do it, or you'll die. Like that's the first. I know we're getting off ta- on, on a tangent here. <laughs> But like this thing, like this first boss you get to in, I don't know, like 20, 30 minutes of playing the game, you get to the first boss. And like everybody's like, oh, it took hours to learn to beat this first boss. And I'm like, if you if you do that, I think you've you've made a mistake. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty rough for the first one. Yeah, I think you've you've doomed your game to probably not sell it very well. So <laughs> anyway. Um but no, back to guides. Um, yeah, yeah, there's so many beautiful ones. And sometimes I still come across things um, from time to time, just really weird. As I come across them, I remember like a few years back, off a friend, I don't even remember who had them now, um, but had a couple of these like um, same things we had in the U.S., It's but they're like a uh, guide to like every Famicom game. You know, like we have the ones right. like every NES game. Uh, there are a couple volumes of that, like every Famicom game. It's all Japanese. I can't tell if there's screenshots and things. So, um, yeah, there's always kind of neat little things like that that come out. And, you know, not really. I guess there is some of that that still comes out these days. I mean, obviously, you're writing a book uh, or have written uh, a book, it's I should say. Not a, not a guide, though. It's not trying to help anyone through a specific game. That's true, but uh, I mean, I guess in your case, though, I mean, you're kind of talking about difficulty in games and mm-hmm. ranking. There, there'll be some some talk about specific challenging parts, but yeah, I, I'm not trying to get someone from the start to the end kind of thing. Yeah, unless they're looking to play all of them like you. 
Sure, man. I'm always happy to talk with anyone who wants to do that. <laughs> that wants to bang their head against the wall. Yeah. Um, so to finish up, uh, are there any specific games or genres or anything that you prefer to play with a guide? Huh. Um, I think ones that have like just ridiculous amounts of information on like stats and things that I don't want to try to keep in my head. Right. Like, um, like Elden Ring, I play tons of Elden Ring. Mm-hmm. Um, but like each weapon will have like its own scaling stats and you know, minimum stats to use this and stuff. I don't ever want to keep that in my head, but it's stuff you did, go back and did use. they put out a guide for Elden Ring? I know most of the Dark Souls games all have guides, but I haven't seen one for Elden Ring. I'm going to guess there probably was one. I don't know. Um, I have if, if any one. game could benefit from like a really detailed map like that would be the one it wouldn't shock me if there probably is one um but i still use there's like a website that i go to that that does a really good job of kind of getting everything so um i still use those guides and i think some websites have done a very good job of becoming like the go-to place for certain things sure and um i think in this particular case this website's probably the go-to place for these souls kind of games and they have a lot of other of those games too with sites for they all the stats and the enemies and the characters and the you can go look stuff up so um i like information that is useful to have on hand like i could see having a paper guide for that um the tough part would be that again they tweak stuff so so i just looked it up And I don't know exactly how it works, but there is an Elden Ring guide and it's gorgeous and hardcover and apparently it's multiple volumes. So you need to buy, maybe it's different areas of the game are broken down into some of them, but there's at least two volumes of it. I can see that though. It's a crazy huge game. I guess if you wanted a guide to everything, it probably would be enormous. I don't think I'd really need that. I would like a I would like might a reference like guide. it just to look at it. Like it's got this really great picture, Ronnie, on the volume one. That's just awesome. Yeah, I don't know. maybe I'll go Google it and take a look at it. Yeah. I, I wouldn't mind like a small like item reference guide and like okay, this is where this thing is at, and this is here's the stat breakdown and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Because you know, the kind of weird little minutia. Like if you're planning a build. Yeah, you kind of want to get the idea, like, okay, I want to use these things. I got to go here quickly to get that stuff, and here's the stats I have to have to use it when I get it, and you know that sort of thing. So when you played like Tactics Ogre, like there's there's a lot of stats and numbers and things in that game. Before you started it, did you plan? You're like, I'm gonna have to look stuff up at some point, or just there was a certain point where you're like, I just want to look up spawn points or drop that rates was or something. Really, just at the end of the game. Because when you get to the end of the game, there's, like, certain things you have to have to, like, open up certain battles. Mm-hmm. So it's like, okay, I'm not going to just keep randomly doing things until I get lucky. I'm just going to look it up because I'm an adult. I don't have a gajillion years <laughs> to do this stuff. But the rest of the game, now, you, you know, like, the stats and that made pretty good sense. Like, the end game text did a pretty good job explaining what they do and what you need to know so i don't think i really needed any sort of guide until pretty late hmm. um 
games that I want to play without. Like the first time I played a lot of these games, I play them without anything. So like yeah. Dark Souls, Elden Ring, that sort of thing. I'm like, I want to go in and I don't want to know anything. Don't tell me anything. Don't ruin anything for me. I'm just going to do the best I can. I'll miss a bunch of stuff. And then after I go through the first time, then I'll go back and look at a guide and see what I missed. But first time through, I just want to have my own experience. Yeah, I'm the same way. Uh, like with Octopath right now, I'm just enjoying it on my own pace. I've got a friend who picked it up uh, the same time as me who's guiding it. And he, I I made it clear. I'm like, I'm like don't tell me anything because I know you're a little past me. So I'll tell you where I'm at and we can talk about anything before there. And he's like, cool, let's do that. Uh, but he's, he's the friend that I play all the like Shimagami stuff with. And he is obsessed with like 100% in games still, which I used to when I was a kid, but I just, I don't have the patience for that anymore. Sure. Uh, but when we play like a, like we played through the Shimigami devil summoner or sorry, not devil summoner, uh, devil. Oh yeah. Devil summoners and digital devil sagas over the last couple of years. And those games are so obtuse. I don't mind doing them with a guide. Um, so we often have, his tablet open with game facts uh, while we're going through that because there'll be like questions that characters ask you and, and the game doesn't indicate that they're like key story questions that are going to change your ending uh, and they don't make sense often because either the bad translation or they're just meant to be obtuse one of the two or a combination of the both so you'll get multiple questions throughout the game that if you don't know you're like changing your ending so if we're trying to get a certain ending we, we have those in mind. Um, sometimes you need specific items to activate certain characters and they just won't appear otherwise and you'll miss them. You'll only one shot at them kind of thing. The dungeons in those games are very based on those old like first person dungeons. So they're very maze-like and there's like, you know, this warp pad's going to send you over here and this is going to twist the maze around. And so we'll, we'll use a guide for those. And they're so funny because they're all these old game facts guides that, you know, some 13 year old wrote 20 years ago. So he'll be like, go east here and we'll go east. And it's a dead end. We'll be like, that idiot wrote the wrong direction. It should have been west. And then the whole rest of the guide, every time something goes wrong, we're like, guy doesn't know his east from his west. And and we can just rag on this 13 year old kid for the next like 40 hours when we're going through this game. It's probably like a 40 year old man at this point. or something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so sometimes it's a fun experience because they're human and they often don't have editors or people fact-checking them, so they make mistakes. And and when you're going through a game and you're trying to 100% it, those mistakes really jump out at you. See, what you should do is they always have, like, email so-and-so for correction. (laughs) You should try to do it. We've joked about doing that so many times. You should do it and just see if any of them are, like... At yahoo.com. Or AOL.com. Right. Or See if any of them are like, yeah. holy crap, somebody actually sent me something. <laughs> I forgot about it. I haven't looked at this in 20 years. Yeah, they're really good. And it's so, like, especially the Shimagami ones, they're so frustratingly laid out because they don't give you a heads up about things. They'll You'll get to this boss and it'll be like, hey, you need this ability to kill this boss. It's like, <laughs> well, that's great. You know, if you would have told us that 20 hours ago, we could have sent our skill tree in that way but we didn't so now we have to grind out 10 more levels to get that skill that we need to beat this boss well, you should have just known duh yeah 
So if you would have read the whole guide before you ever played the game, you would have known this. <laughs> I mean, we're getting to the point where we probably should know that by now because we've had that happen. You like, should just three work times. backwards. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But despite those frustrations, because I'm doing it with a friend, you know, it's still fun because it's like, man, we're going to have to spend the next two Sundays grinding. It's like, yeah, whatever. We'll just chat and have a good time over <laughs> grinding out. But uh, but if I was doing that by myself, I think it'd be a lot more frustrating. I get it. Some of those games, yeah, they try to be so esoteric about things. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes there can be some value if it's not ridiculous yeah because you can that leads to conversations where like oh did you see you can do this wait what you know yeah that sort of thing but when they're so buried in obtuse it's like come on man yeah so the the ps2 shimigami games before persona 3 are too obtuse like to be enjoyable but after i think after persona 3 hit and took out a bunch of that they were like oh people don't like to be that obtuse so the later ones even not the persona ones like you know devil summoner or devil survivor and uh, soul hackers and those kind of things uh they've dropped a lot of that and they've made it a lot more palatable now so i don't need a guide for the more modern shimagami games but the old ones i don't know how anybody gets through those without some extra help if you didn't sharpen your pencil on thursday when uh yori was you know sitting at the desk then you get the bad ending right yeah and they're not games you can typically grind your way out of like a lot of other rpgs you can't just over level your way through them it's like you have to have a specific item or a specific build or you had to hit the skill tree the right way to to get through this fight it's rough so i like them for those for those kind of games makes good sense yeah um outside of that like you said like i just like playing things uh figuring them out on my own at first and then uh if i really enjoyed my time with it and i'm going back to it and i want to do like a 100 percent playthrough i want to get a certain ending or something then it's nice to have those resources for sure yeah i i think i'm the other way that uh now if a new game comes out and there's no way I could probably go through it without a guide. That would probably make me unhappy. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like old games, I got it just because they were so limited. Mm-hmm. And some things are just weird. And how would you ever figure it out? I don't know. But these days, there's not really any excuse for that, I don't think. Yeah. I Like even some of the old games, like when they redo like Fantasy Star and the new version lets you map it out and you don't have to have a paper grid with you to do your own map. It's like that's it's hard to go back to the old one now because that's such a nice feature. Sure. And I, I totally understand that. Why wouldn't you want that? Um, it was just a limitation of capacity in, at the time. Mm-hmm. It wasn't that they, you know, I'm sure if they could have done something like that, they would have. Um, and some games are just like deadly towers. Like we're going back to this guide again. Like, you know, would you want to try to figure out deadly towers without a guide? I mean, I guess you could, I don't know why you'd want to. (laughs) Yeah. Like you're talking about, you know, turning 10 hours of your life into like 
a hundred hours of your life trying to figure it out on your own, like games like that and Legacy of the Wizard and Mylon Secret Castle and like like I don't even back then I don't know how much fun it would be to try and figure those out on your own. Yeah, I mean I guess if you're a young kid there's a certain amount of that you'll I mean like I remember playing like Metroid and, and Zelda and you just make up your I'd make up my own challenge runs because you'd you, you didn't have so many games those are still good but you didn't have any other one things to play so you'd be like okay I'm gonna go through without and beat the game without the various suit or I'm not gonna use any rings in the Legend of Zelda and it's pretty hard to do that but yeah, yeah. yeah you'd played it so much you're like whatever I can do it <laughs> um, yeah that, but these days yeah I, it's a different a different situation I don't know if you can get away with some of that stuff. But, you know, the memories of going back and looking at some of these things, like here I'm looking at Metroid, you know, and flipping through. They've got, like, pictures of all the enemies, like, screenshot, <laughs> telling you their names and telling you, like, a description of the enemy. And I don't know. It's just it's neat stuff. I guess you get that to some degree. These days they have, like, a bestiary in the games yeah. uh, themselves. but. I don't know. Yeah, the only company I've seen putting them out with, you know, I wouldn't say regularity, but more often than others is Nintendo. Because I've still seen guides for like Splatoon games and Super Mario Odyssey, um, like stuff that's coming on Switch, but they're they're a lot different. Like the Zelda one was kind of a premium, like collector's edition. There's a hardcover and giant map. But the Splatoon and Mario ones were like uh, spiral binding, um, like a lot cheaper thinner things makes sense but, probably for the yeah. audience yeah uh i think that they understand a certain audience is a little more adult and is willing to spend that money i mean like i think about this like i was we were um they had a birthday party a little while back and so we're uh, go to the toy aisle at i don't know we we're at walmart or target or whatever we were at right this is probably the first time I've walked through a toy aisle, and it's been a while. So, um, and going through and looking at the toys, looking for like, oh, like Hot Wheels and that sort of stuff. And they're like these certain places, like action figures, <clears throat> like a lot of normal action figures. And then they had these um, action figures for like the D&D cartoon of the 80s. <laughs> and I'm like, wait, what? I'm thinking, who? I don't understand. Are, obviously this is targeted at adults you you hit your head on the way in and you've gone back to the past i have something must have been you saw the he-man there too and the gi joe and no i mean i'm not lying it was like these deep no i'm saying like all of those series that i just mentioned they've reissued the original cast toys like, oh i'm sure but like yeah. i don't think these toys ever came out in the first place and like oh they did yeah i'm pretty sure engineer mike uh was into them Oh, really? Like the Dungeons yeah. & Dragons cartoon? I think so, yeah. Okay. Like nine, 90% sure he's mentioned them to me in the past. Okay, all right. But I saw them as like... So I get that there's these different markets, right? The thing I didn't understand is why was it like in the toy aisle? Um, because if it's aimed at adults, shouldn't it be somewhere else? I, I, I don't... You know, I get, if you want to buy these, the toy, that's fine. I mean, I bought Amiibos, but... I. Th- to me, I like that's not like, where I would think to go for that sort of thing. 
So at my Walmart, um, it's a mix of children and adults in the toy aisle because the adults are there for for sometimes Hot Wheels and, and the action figures, like you mentioned. They're also there for Lego and Pokemon cards, which are all in that same spot. Yeah, it just seems kind of strange to me. I'm like, I think that this would be a, like a separate, at least like a separate aisle or something, but it just seems all mixed in. And maybe that's the idea is that the adult will take their kids with them and they'll both look for sure, stuff. Sure, yeah. The kid wants the bluey or, uh, you know, wrestling figure or whatever. And dad's just on the other side of the same aisle grabbing his D&D figures. Yeah, I don't know. It was just kind of, it was different. But that's why I think of like, here when we're talking about guides. Like you said, like the one is hard bound and very nice. And the other was like spiral bound. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because like kids, like that's a Splatoon guide, right? I mean, the it's kind of genius too for a guide. Because like I said, my old like... Uh, X2 guide and uh, Mortal Kombat like they were in rough shape because you had to like fold the whole book around to get leave it on the page you wanted so with the spiral binding that solves that problem I mean I have two copies of the Nintendo Player's Guide I've got one that's the one that's been used to death and then I bought another one uh, later in life that's in nice shape because this one I've given a ton of work to over the years and it looks <laughs> terrible I mean, it's in really bad shape but it's well you loved. Jot your own like notes in the margins or anything. No, I was one of those kids that didn't do that. Um, <clears throat> I know a lot of kids did, but no, I wouldn't write on things. Um, it's just yeah. used. It's very well worn, <laughs> and the other one's in much nicer shape. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, and the binding is I've got tape and stuff on the binding, and you know, it's seen better days. <laughs> Well, anything else you want to add about uh, guides, either paper or online versions, before we close it up? I mean, I would like to hear from the listeners. I would like to know um, about their ideas with guides and what they like and what are their favorites. Are there some special ones that maybe we didn't mention that they love or um, some experiences or ones they go back to a lot that are really well done? Um yeah, I would just like to hear everybody else's thoughts about kind of their experiences and is there room for guides still? I mean, do you do you still want to buy them? Um, I can see situations where I would. Uh, it's not as much as back in the day, but back in the day it was a novelty, I think, to a degree. And mm-hmm. now I, I don't. It's not really much of a novelty anymore. So I don't know. Um, but I mean, I, I wonder your thoughts too, because you're writing a book about gaming and then obviously it's not a strategy guide, but I mean, you're still in that kind of market uh, Probably. area. So do you, what do you think about like that idea of writing a book and, and trying to sell it and market it and being in that space? Mine, thankfully, because it's not tied to like something current, I don't have to like get it out with the game kind of thing. So I don't have to worry about that aspect of it. Um, but I, yeah, I, I, when I mentioned the Elden Ring guide to you, it got me thinking, I'm like, is there any modern game where I really would love a guide for it? And I was like, you know, it'd be cool. It'd be cool if, to get a Cyberpunk 2077 guide. And so I looked that up and it does exist too. I don't see these in stores though. Like I got to go online for them because at least where I live, like we're too small to get many of these things. So if we get some, I'm sure it's like two kind of thing at the store. 
so I might grab a cyberpunk guide now that I know it exists. And um, when I go replay that, um, I'll have some sweet maps and things to help me out. And, and uh, there's something special about having a map open on your lap while you're playing the game. It's just, it might just be nostalgia at this point, but uh, I do enjoy that. Yeah, there's some cases where having a physical thing is very nice. Mm -hmm. um, and there just isn't a substitute for that. I mean, I still, I still wish modern games had a instruction book that came with it. Yeah, it probably sounds dumb, but I. Like, they even make the case with a thing to hold the I, book. I still get disappointed opening 95% of my Switch games because I'm like, oh, it's not there. Right, but, like, they even make, like, the little tabs to hold a book. Yep. Like, yep. you obviously had this in mind. Why? <laughs> um, I mean, they weren't ever anything. You go read NES or even more recent, like, DS manuals or whatever. Right? I mean, they're not ridiculously in-depth or anything but it was just cool to have it was nice yeah you want to flip through the stuff so come on companies don't you don't need to be this <laughs> cheap like nintendo puts out the pdf guides and stuff like come on man i know when like if i'm playing a game and i've got a paper guide in my lap that i can look down to uh, i still feel like i'm in the game for some reason but when i have to like look something up on my phone it feels like, oh, now I'm doing other things. Now I noticed I have emails I missed or someone texted me. or, And it's just kind of a very different experience, even though you're looking for the same information. Yeah, and half the time you're like, oh, now I have to try to figure out where the actual content is. Uh, or, yeah, uh, or, or and, I have to watch this 30-second yeah. ad before I can <laughs> check out the thing right, I Right, I have to, to scroll out. through the 15 ads everywhere and try to figure out where the real text is. Uh, uh, it's just... You know, I know you want my money. I just, yeah, maybe that's it. Sell me a good book. I, I, don't, <laughs> I, I don't want that. I don't want what's on my phone happening. Yeah. So, I don't know. I think there's still some market for it. I, I don't think for every game. I mean, there's some games you just no. like, I'm just never like you said, buy a game. the live surface stuff. Uh, I don't know if that's even possible. Even the fighting games now, because they're always, you know, balance changes and everything, like that's probably not a useful thing. I think I have like four different guides for Street Fighter 4, uh, none of which I've ever opened or used, because it's like the games have the information the in them list. for the most part. Yeah. yeah. Um, I I'm trying to think of. Like you're talking about God of War, like the new one. I would never care about a book about that, right? I don't... Why? I mean, that game, I could see why you'd want a guide for it, because there is, you know, hidden items, and if you want to get all of the Valkyrie fights and the special armor and stuff, like, you probably want a guide for that. I don't have interest in doing that. I just wanted to see the story through to the end. Yeah. But... I can see the appeal to that. And, like, it's a beautiful game. So if the part of it's, like, the art and the maps and things, like, I'm sure that looks real good in there. Yeah, I get it. Um, uh, but, yeah, I don't, I, it's kind of a tough... I, obviously, every game doesn't need it, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Um, you know, I, I don't... Well, the sad think, thing is there probably are lots of Fortnite books. <laughs> oh probably yeah i think mainly like role-playing games are the most obvious like 
that could use it. Um, the Souls games, uh, probably most open world games that aren't live service could benefit from just having a huge, nice map and checklists and things like that. There's probably not a lot of those around anymore, there are there. Well, it's like everything Ubisoft puts out, like Far Cry's, um, like the Horizon games could probably use it really well, the Saints Row games, GTA, that kind of stuff. I'm going to get they probably make book. I would guess they probably still make guides for those. But like you say, it's yeah. probably like you have to go online to Amazon or something to buy them. I can't imagine a book retailer would probably try to Stock devote more than one or two. Right, each try to devote yeah. shelf space because, you know, in their world, they have to buy them. And if they don't sell, they got to mark them down. And that's a loss. So, yeah, yep. I'm, I'm going to. I don't know Amazon's business model, but I'm going to guess Amazon probably just goes, I've got, I sold 20 of these things. Give me 20 or something. Mm -hmm. Uh, They're big enough to probably do that and not eat it. So, I don't know. It's a weird world. I like this. The the book market's a really strange thing. That's why I was kind of curious your thoughts on this. It's not what it used to be, but it's not dead. It's just, Mm -hmm. it's different than it used to be. Yeah, it it's, feels like almost everything is selling to a niche now, and there's not really a lot of mainstream, at least in the gaming world, books. Yeah, maybe gaming was always niche. Um, mm-hmm. You know, your John Grishams are always going to be... Worlds of Power didn't make the top the New York top sellers? Is that what you're telling me? I, I don't know if Jeff Rovin ever got any on the... New York Times. Maybe when he, he, so used, he wrote he some did. other stuff later. He right? did many times, but not for the gaming stuff. Yeah, I we've looked into him a little bit recently, and, and he's a very successful writer. Sure he is. I'm sure he probably wants to forget all about <laughs> writing those books back in the day. <laughs> he probably does not want to talk about it, if I had to guess. Um, oh, I'm sure he's working on his uh, Games Pass uh, 2024 <laughs> book right now. Uh, I would, uh, yeah, I would love to have a conversation with that man. Uh, I wonder it would. He probably either go two or one way, uh, two one of two ways. It would be one. He's just flattered that somebody remembers that work and is interested in talking about it to somebody else that's interested in it, or it's that was a horrible, painful experience that paid nothing, and I just want to forget about it and be considered a real writer. <laughs> Um, so I'd be, be curious to see which way it went. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you for talking to me about guides today. That was a lot of fun. Uh, I'm sure Bill will chime in uh, next episode with uh, a few of his guide memories and, and favorite books. Um, and if you guys have any, uh, give us a shout out on Twitter or in the Discord. Uh, we'd love to hear uh, some of your favorite guides and memories of using guides throughout the years. Yeah, and... Uh how do folks get into our discord that's right uh we have a patreon that i always forget to plug uh it's uh patreon.com slash collector cast and for a measly dollar you can support the show and get invited into our discord to chat with us and a few other fine folks about games movies legos music tattoos <laughs> uh whatever you got going on game guys it's a good group of people yeah <laughs> And speaking of which, before we sign off, any more updates? You said maybe you'd have an update on your book by now, but no, not yet? It's moving again. It's just everything's slower than I want it to be. Okay. Because mostly, most of my part's done. Okay. So I just have to wait for other people to do things now. So 
I can only make them go so fast. Nothing wrong. But uh, one thing I think I can say is um, I I don't want the book to be. I wanted it to be collaborative and not just like here's what I think. I wanted lots of different opinions and perspectives on difficulty in NES. And so we reached out to a whole bunch of people, some of which were, were long shots. Almost everyone's coming back like, this is a cool idea. We want to be part of it. And we're starting to get some of their like guest writing and stuff in now too. And it's it's really neat. It's coming together in an interesting way. Uh, and just getting like, because some people are very analytical and some people are very nostalgic and some people are very... Like they, when they're in that speed running world, like they speak a different language and like they look for totally different things than I do. It's really cool. And it's making me reevaluate some of the stuff we've already done and make tweaks to it. Uh, so it's been really cool to just get all this kind of feedback from uh, different sources. Awesome. Well, looking yeah. forward to uh, getting a copy in my hands here at some point. Hopefully. I think we're on track for launching it in the summer from the sounds of it Very good. We, were, we were originally shooting for march which it's march now so that's not going to happen so no, maybe another couple months from now sounds good we'll be looking forward to it yeah thanks for listening everybody and we'll catch you next time